0: Nothing really tells you you're not in charge, like when you walk into the office and there's a book on your desk that says, hey, you're not in charge. So I was, this is actually, this is the title of the book that was sitting on my desk was how to lead when you're not in charge, okay? And so I walked in and there it was. And I thought, cool, all right, I know my place. It is here. So it's a, it is actually a really, really good book. And I've read, I've read through it twice this year because there's a lot of it in, there's a lot of information in this book that just... It teaches you how to lead, and, and that's kind of where we're going to start. We're going to start with what makes a leader, okay? What makes a leader? And a lot of us would start off with um, power. Power makes someone a leader, or we would say that a leader has a title, right? Like CEO or, or anything that you can come up with that makes someone a leader. It kind of is summed up in one word, and that word is authority, Authority means you are the one giving orders. Authority means you're in charge. It means you're in command, you're in control. Authority means you're the boss, right? And... We were, we've been taught this since we were, since we were little, like authority means you're in charge, right? Like you're, you're sitting at home with your parents when you're little and there's someone on the TV and you said, mom, who's that on the TV? And your mom says, oh, that's the president. That's our country's leader. That's the person who's in charge. Or you show up to kindergarten for the first time and they introduce, you know, this is your teacher. This is Miss and so-and-so. She is the leader. She is in charge. She is the authority that gets to tell you when you can go to the bathroom and when you can eat and when you go outside, right? She was in charge. If you were on a team, you had a coach. If, if like, when you went, started your first job, right, meeting your boss and going, that's, that's the person in charge. That's the authority, and sometimes when you're a kid and you're you're out on the playground or or people see you and they go, "Oh man, that person has leadership skills." And then and then what comes next is usually like a title. "Oh, you're going to be such a good teacher. You are going to run your own company one day. You're going to be the CEO. You're going to be a coach." And the authority that is placed on you usually comes with a title. Okay? And we grow up. We grew up believing all of these things, meaning that when when you are a leader, you must be in a position of authority. Without the authority, you're kind of just nothing, right? You have to be the boss. You have to be the one in charge. You have to call the shots. And when we all started working, most of us kind of experienced the same pattern, right? We start a new job. And we start this new job, and we're super optimistic. We're We're really eager usually we're excited, we're on a new team, it's a new opportunity. And we're excited because we see all the potential, right? And we can see the impact we can make, and we're optimistic. That's how I would describe, like, when I, started in, when I would start a new job. I'm really optimistic about what we can do. And we come with energy, and we come with ideas, and, you know, we're ready to change the world through whatever job it is. And then you hit the ceiling. Okay. You're excited. You're running with everything you've got. You're doing your projects and then you hit the ceiling and the ceiling is always the same. The ceiling is the authority. The authority doesn't want what you want. The authority doesn't see what you see. The authority doesn't like, they don't have your vision and they don't want to go where you want to go. And that's that first shot of discouragement, right? But, but it's okay. You think to yourself, it's okay. I can still stay here, but do you know what I need? I need the authority. I need to be the one in charge. I need to be the one that if I can just hang in here long enough, if I can climb up that ladder, I can get authority of my own and still potentially put into place all of these really great ideas I have. Okay? So so you wait, and you put in your time, you kiss some butt, and maybe, maybe, maybe if you're lucky enough, you even get the promotion that you were hoping for, or... Maybe you even get the title that you're hoping for, but you find out that maybe that didn't really change anything. Maybe it doesn't mean squat that you got a promotion. You're you're still in the same bus, and maybe you got to move a seat forward, but the bus driver is still the same. Nothing has changed. And those same systems feel it stay in place. And instead of feeling excited and eager, you feel unimportant, you feel unheard, um, unappreciated, and you end up sitting around waiting for change to happen. Or, or maybe maybe you never got the promotion, and you sat around waiting for a promotion that never came, or you waited for recognition that you never got. And you're not eager anymore. You're not excited anymore. You've become this. You've become apathetic it's a job now. You don't care. You're not interested. You're just there to put in your time and leave. And as a matter of fact, if you were to describe everything that you feel as apathetic, it would almost be frustrating. You're just frustrated. And you start to wonder if maybe the grass is greener somewhere else. And you start to think, maybe I need to find a new job. Maybe I need a new team. Maybe I need to serve in a different ministry. Or maybe you just, you know, I decide I need a new church altogether. But this is what most of us have already learned. The grass on the other side is the same as the grass you came from. It's the same as the grass you're on, right? There's, you're in your yard, but that yard looks better. But in reality, it's the same yard. Just, it has a different lawnmower right? It's got a different person that's going to come and be the authority. It doesn't matter where you are. The grass is usually the same. Okay? So then let's say you switch jobs. You're going to start a new job. You're over here now. You're in a different yard. The grass feels greener and we're going to start this cycle all over again. You're excited. You're eager. Maybe you get a little bit of disappointment and not getting some changes that you were hoping for. And then you realize maybe I'm a little apathetic again. And then you say, all right, we're going to change. We're going to find another yard. And so you stay that way, right? Or, or that feels like option one. Your other option, option two, kind of feels like, well, I can just stick it out and stay depressed. And, and both of those options sound not fun, right? You can stay in the cycle of new yards every couple of years, or you can stay depressed. And that's where a lot of us end up sitting because we feel like we need that authority to make something matter, right? But there is a third option. Thank God, because otherwise that's really depressing in and of itself. So what, that's what we're spending the next four weeks talking about is what this third option is. And it is how to lead when you're not the one in charge, when you're not the lawnmower, how do you still have a yard that you love being in? Okay. We're going to, we're going to learn how to create this like oasis of excellence right where you are to make the grass that we're in the grass, the yard that you want to be in. Okay. Because here's the truth. The truth is the authority does not equal leadership. Your authority does not equal leadership, right? Because I'm sure all of you can think there have been people in authority who have not been good leaders. You know, this is where you get, you know, hashtag not my president, hashtag that's not my boss or hashtag you're not in charge of me, right? This is where those come from. Not every authority is a good leader. The key to being a leader, worth following, even if you don't have the authority, even if you're not in charge, is this word. Influence. You need influence. Leadership is influence. It's the ability to to persuade people. The ability to show other people how you see something, to to gather people towards a common goal and say, this is what we can work for. And even if you don't have the authority, you can still have influence and show them what you're thinking, okay? You can learn to influence, you can learn to lead, okay? Now, I'm going to stop for a second (laughs) because I know what some of you are thinking, right? Some of you are going, that sounds great but I don't, I'm not a leader. I don't see myself as a leader. You know, I'm an Enneagram fill in the blank, or I'm an introvert, or I'm not Batman, I'm Robin. I don't want to lead. I want to be the helper. But the truth is, is that that's not how God sees you. There are different areas in all of our lives where we are leaders, okay? God sees every single one of us as a leader with potential, because he placed us here to be his representatives, right? If you're a follower of Jesus, our job is to influence the world around us to show them what it's like to follow Jesus. So whether you feel like a leader or not, we, do, we are supposed to cultivate influence. And, and even, if, even if you don't buy into all that and you, you would not identify as a follower of Jesus, maybe you're a spouse, Maybe you're a parent. Maybe you have a job and you have people that you work with. Or I don't know, maybe you have nieces and nephews who look up to you. Because believe it or not, there are more people watching you than you realize. So how do we start to cultivate that? And step one, it's probably going to surprise you just a little bit, um, because you might be thinking the first thing that I need in order to gain influence is I need followers, right? I need people. So you think, you know, I need to rally the troops. I need to gain allies. You know, if we're going to go after the authority, we got to grab our torch and pitchfork. Let's go. You know, you're, you're pulling on people's emotional strings because we're all going to come together and we're going to get the man, right? But as fun as that sounds, and as fun as it would be to watch it happen, that's not where we start, okay? Where we're going to start is, is with you. You're going to start with yourself. You have to learn to lead yourself. And this is, this is step one because it is so important. Because you can't lead others if you can't lead yourself, okay? For that reason alone... We have to learn to lead ourselves well because no one will be with you throughout the entirety of your life except for you, okay? Um, People come and go. uh, Bosses come and go. Mentors come and go. The only person with you for all of your life is you. So you have to learn to lead yourself. You can't count on someone else to do it for you because you're the only person that you're with. Okay? If you if you want to be a good manager, if you want to be a good parent, if you want to be even just to be a good employee or a good volunteer or good at, at what you're doing, you have to learn to lead yourself. So how do we do that? Step one, I think I might have made up this word. Okay? You're going to model followership. I had the red line when I typed it out. It was a red line meaning this is not a word, but I kept it anyway cuz I like it. Model followership. Basically, we we need to show that we can be a good follower. Like we all we all have people we report to, right? Like it could be, you know, when you're talking to your spouse about something. It could be when you report to a boss or 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 even just a ministry leader here at church. You know, there's there's always a flow chart of leadership. And if you want to be a good leader, nothing will undermine your ability to lead more than you not being a good follower. If you're modeling how to be a bad follower, that is what you're showing everyone else to be as well. Even, even if, and we're going to talk about this a little bit, little bit later, even if who you're following is not a great leader. Right now, if, if you go on any social media ever, one of the most common phrases we've seen in the last five years is the idea of, you do you. You know, I'm, you, know you see people typing, I'm going on vacation. You know, you do you, girl. You've earned it. You, it's owed to you. You know, you deserve it. Or, and, and basically what that means is, do whatever you want. Do what makes you happy. You're in charge of you, so do whatever you want. You do you. Because in our, in our culture, this is not popular. In, in our culture of, of side hustles and being your own boss and being an entrepreneur or wanting to be famous on the tickety talk because I'm old and that's what I call it, um, <laughs> following isn't glamorous. Following doesn't get you, you know, millions of people on Instagram. It doesn't give you bragging rights. It doesn't give you clout. You don't get to, you know, go on Instagram and say, I'm the best follower in the world because nobody's going to care. But if you want to lead others, you have to lead yourself well and you have to show how to be a good follower, okay? We, we have to show others that we're willing and able to follow the people that God has placed above us. Um, Paul was an apostle of Jesus. Oh, ooh, okay. We're going to stay with me. We're going to make a flow chart quick, right? So we've got, we've got Jesus up here. Okay. Stay with me right down here. We've got Paul, which means Paul was a follower of Jesus. This is our, this is our Bible flow chart right now. So we've got Jesus and we've got Paul. Paul has a friend over here off to the side here. We're going to call him Titus, we're not Sorry. We're not going to call him Titus. That was his name. His name was Titus. So we have Jesus, we have Paul and down here, Paul was a mentor to Titus. Okay. And Titus had people that he was, you know, teaching and around. So that's kind of where we're going because Paul wrote a letter to Titus. Okay. And this is what Paul told Titus. Okay. He said, remind them, meaning the people that Titus is in charge, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy towards all people. This is how you follow well. Whoever we find ourselves following, this is how we're meant to follow well. And, and I know some of you are thinking, but you don't have my boss. Okay? Here's the thing. When, when Paul wrote this to Titus, the person in authority, the person in charge, was Emperor Nero. Emperor Nero was a bad, bad dude, okay? This is the Emperor Nero that was, like, hunting and burning Christians. This is the Emperor Nero that, in history books, is described as ruthless and tyrannical, right? This, Emperor Nero, was the guy with the authority, and still, this is what Paul told Titus to do. Remind them to be submissive to the rulers and authority, to what Paul was telling Titus, be submissive to Nero. To someone who is hunting you and killing you, right? To be obedient to your, to your authority. To be ready to do good works for that person. To not speak evil of that person. Do not fight with your authority. Be gentle and courteous. And that's not an easy thing to do. Because whether it's a good leader or a bad leader... They're the leader, whether we like it or not. So, how is following going for you? Are you following the person who's leading you? Or, or I can ask this another way. Do the people around you, do your fellow employees, do the people that you minister with, do the people around you see that you're willing and able to follow, or do they see you being complaining and kind of dragging your feet sometimes? Because what you model is what you will receive. And if you want to gain influence in order to be a leader, or even just to show people what it means to follow Jesus, in order to lead well, you have to model how to be a good follower. All right, so model, how to model followership. My Ashley-ism, followership. Step two, next thing that you need to do, um, you're going to monitor your heart and behavior. So, if you think about your heart and you think about your behavior, which one would be easier to monitor? Most of us would say our behavior, right? Because you you can see behavior, you can quantify behavior, you can take a behavior and go, "This behavior was good," or "This thing I did was not so good." It's easy to see and check behavior. Your heart is harder to monitor. There's no ranking for my heart is good or my heart is bad. There's, there's nothing there most of the time that you can see. Because your, your heart, this is the part of you. And what I mean by heart is I mean this is the part of you that's your, your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions about things. And it requires a lot more effort to, to do that like self-internal check and go, are my thoughts, emotions, and feelings lining up with the things that Jesus would be thinking? Because with our heart, that's our measuring stick, okay? Are the thoughts, feelings, and emotions I'm having reflecting the things that God would have me think about? Are they reflecting how Jesus feels about those people? Or have I let my emotions take charge? Have I let my thoughts and emotions decide who I am and what I want to be? And Monitoring your heart and behavior. There's no one else who can do this for you. You know, like if it's, well, behavior we can. We can all see behavior, right? I could look at some of you and go, wait to go. Or, you know, ooh, maybe I wouldn't do that. Behavior anybody can see. But your heart, that's between you and God. That is all you and God. No one knows what's in your heart besides you and God. And this was something King David did really, really well. King David wrote, um, they were songs. We call them psalms which has always seemed weird to me because the words are really closely related. So, like, they sound the same. So I want to call them songs, but the book is called Psalms. So anyway, this is what David said in one of his psalms. He said, in a prayer to God, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in a way everlasting. David asked God, please search my heart. Hear my anxious thoughts. Find the things that are offensive in my thoughts, feelings, and emotions. Throw them to the side and lead me in a better way. And this is what needs—this is how we monitor our heart. This is our prayer, right? This is, this is such an important step in figuring out who you are and how to lead yourself well because it's from this place that we lead others. And this is, this is not, you know, Ashley telling you this. This is Jesus. Because Jesus was talking to some Pharisees, and Jesus told them this. Jesus told them, Whatever is in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What is in your heart your thoughts, your feelings, and emotions is what is going to come out of your mouth. You can hide it for a while, but eventually it all comes out of your mouth. So imagine for a second, imagine you're in a car, right? And your car has an engine. You can't see the engine, but you know the engine is there because your car is going, (laughs) okay? But every once in a while, there's something in your car that doesn't work like it's supposed to, okay and you get one of those lights on your dashboard the check engine light comes on that lets you know there's something that you can't see going on here that you need to check out okay your your behavior what what you do every single day that's your dashboard like the dashboard in your brain that and when you catch yourself doing something that's that ding on your conscience that's that moment when you go oh i probably shouldn't have said that Those are your your heart's check engine lights. It's those little dings where you said, oh, that was maybe not what I should have done or not what I should have said. And and I know you know what I'm talking about because these things come out of our mouths like, I'm not gossiping. I'm just letting you know. Or my personal favorite, you know, I'm not gossiping. It's just a prayer request. We just need to make sure we talk about how to pray for them. Or, (laughs) you know, or I'm just saying. I mean, I'm not saying, but I'm saying. You know, if you have, if, side note. If you ever say, I don't mean to be rude, but the next thing you're saying is rude and you know it. Okay, that's a, that's a check engine ding. You know, I don't want to be rude, but then you know it's rude, right? So when you catch those behaviors, when you feel those dings and those check engine lights come on in your brain, that's your sign to check your heart. And And this is where we should be like begging God constantly, please check my heart. Tell me what is... Tell me what I need to work on because none of us are perfect and we all have those things that we're thinking of going, yeah, I could probably do that a little better, okay? And this is, this is not easy. This is where we have to be really, really honest with ourselves and say, am I saying good things from a good heart or am I jealous of my friend's promotion? Am I saying good things from a good heart or am I mad at some, my boss for something they did eight months ago? Am I saying good things from a good heart or am I frustrated because my ministry leader isn't leading like I would lead? You have to check your own heart. And then be willing to listen and change when, when God and the Holy Spirit point out to you what's going on. Okay? And then and then to do, to do all of those things, we have to make a plan. That's number three. We have to make a plan. So I'm going to ask you, this is my next question. Where do you want to be? Or more importantly, who do you want to be? And I mean, it's that time of year, right? We're still kind of in that first week of January where everybody's making New Year's goals. New Year, new you. It's all over my Facebook right now. New Year, new you. Okay. Or new me, not you. New Year, new me. That's what it says. So, but what if, what if, new year, and I'm going to make you new. Anyway, what if instead of making a New Year's resolution that most people forget about by February? Like, go look at the stats for how many people, like, follow out New Year's resolutions. They don't, it's not a lot of us that, that hold on to those goals. So instead of making a New Year's resolution that we forget about by February, what if we looked at where do we want to be and who do we want to be and started making, a, like, a daily plan for how to get there? Okay, because you will not get to the place you want to be or become who you want to be without a plan. Okay, this is, this is a really good quote that Michael gave me because he reads what I do first. And it says this, he said, you need to say this. So this is, this is what he said. It is direction, not intention, that determines your destination. So what does that mean? It is the direction that you're traveling, not where you want to be, that determines where you end up like let's say i want to go to kansas city my intention is to get on i-70 at head east or er, sorry head west <laughs> sorry map reading skills so my in- my intention is to go west to kansas city but if i point my car east and i'm headed towards st louis it is the direction of my vehicle that determines where i end up not where i plan not where like my intention was If I intend to go to Kansas City, I need to make a plan to get there and not go east. So some of us, we have lived life without a whole lot of plans, right? We just kind of like fade into whatever's in front of us and whatever opportunity, and we just kind of like let things fall in our lap. And for a while, that'll work pretty well. But after that, it kind of can become kind of paralyzing because you end up going nowhere, you just kind of drift. You're just kind of there, okay? Or some of you are thinking, life rarely works out the way I planned. This, where I am right now, is not where I planned to be. So why should I make a plan? Why do I try? Here's the thing about plans, though. If you find yourself drifting or, or you're tired of trying and you've made no plans, Aiming at, at nothing will get you nowhere. If you're cynical or you're lacking motivation, or you're just plain tired or you're drifting, nothing will change. And in five years, you'll be in the same place emotionally that you are today. In five years, you'll be in the same place financially that you are today. You'll be the same place in your job as you are today. You have to have a plan, and that plan comes out of who you want to be, and where you want to go. So, like I said, I walk in the office in May, and there's a book on my desk where my boss is telling me, you're not in charge, but I still want you to do a good job. <laughs> so, about three months ago, I was tasked with, hey, let's do a sermon series about this book, okay? So, this is where, this is, these are going to be our, like, our steps for our plan. So, the first part of our plan is, what do I need to do? right? I was, I was given the job of let's make a sermon series. Let's put this together. Let's get it written up. Let's do an outline, okay? What do I need to do? I need to write this. Second step is where am I? I got stuck at this step for a very, very long time. It was about six weeks where I just kind of let this book sit there because I did not make a plan. I, I, to be really honest, I had no idea what I was doing. I have never done this before. Okay? I was scared out of my mind. And so instead of actually just sitting down and doing it, I procrastinated. <laughs> and and I'm, I'm sure none of you, you're all thinking, oh, you know, horrible. None of you have ever procrastinated. But I did. I put this off for a really, really long time. And because I didn't make a plan, I stayed stuck right here. Okay? Um <laughs> It got really bad. It got to the point where like, I'd sit down and I'd have my computer and have my coffee and I'd be like, all right, let's do this. And I'd have no idea what to do. And I'm looking to the left and I'm like, oh, I haven't put laundry away yet. All right, let's put laundry away. And four hours later, I have completely emptied, reorganized and filled my closet. And then I ran out of time. So, you know, move on. (laughs) I'd avoid starting because I didn't make a plan. Also, if you were here when Michael talked about colors, I am like a true blue personality and I didn't start because I didn't want to do it wrong, right? So, so if, you've ever, if you've ever thought that, that is where I was and it's okay, just go. Just get started. It's going to be okay, I promise. But here I am. I'm stuck in this avoidance cycle, right? And I knew this was a problem. So I told my husband, because if any of you are married, you know that your husband or your spouse can be your most brutally honest accountability partner. And and I needed some brutal honesty because otherwise I'm just going to stay stuck right here, right? So I told him what I needed to do, and I told him I was stuck in this avoidance cycle. So after a lot of conversations and some nagging that wasn't nagging but felt like nagging, um, what he did was he threatened to take the book, read it, and write it for me. And I thought no, sir, you are not going to take the thing that I'm supposed to do and then do it better than me, right? Because that, that, that is what ended up motivating me to move forward because <laughs> that's so bad. <laughs> he was, he was going to do it anyway. So what, what do you, what the question he asked me, he said, what's your end game when this is over? Where do you want, you know, what, what do you want this to look like when you're done? Okay. And that's part three, right? Where do I want to be? Where am I? Stuck in an avoidance cycle. Man, procrastination was my destination. And where do I want to be? I wanted to do this well, right? I didn't want to drop the ball. I wanted to do this well. So the final part of this, this is kind of like the, the nitty gritty part, is finding the motivation and then creating the plan to get it done. These are your three planning steps. What do I need to do? where am I and where do I want to be? And then that final step, that final step is how do I make it happen? This is where you have to have that plan, that motivation, that accountability for who do I want to be? Where do I want to go? How do I make that happen? So for me, I had to create fake deadlines and then make sure Jason kept checking on me like, hey, you still doing it? Yes, I'm still doing it. So what do I need to do? Where am I? Where do I want to be and how do I make it happen? This is how you lead yourself well. Right. This is this is also how you can monitor this helps monitor your heart, your behavior. You know, what do I need to do? What part of my heart and behavior am I checking? Where am I and and how can I change that? This is how you lead yourself well. Because leading yourself well is how we show the world what it can really be like, to be followers of Jesus. Leading yourself well like this creates that good kind of influence in the world, that kind of influence that that makes you magnetic to people, where they want to know, what is it about you that makes everything, that makes your yard seem so green? This is how you do that. And whether you feel like you have the authority or not, you can cultivate that influence. So this is where you go. What is, like, what is your plan? What do you need to do? Where are you? Where do you want to be? Or who do you want to be? And at the very end of that, how can you make all of that happen? So that's, as I put this together, I realized this is, this is my prayer for you guys right? My, my prayer is that sometime in the next couple of days, like you can find 10 minutes to really, to really think through that, to really think through, you know, am I modeling being a good follower? Am I monitoring, sorry, am I modeling how to be a good follower? And am I monitoring my heart and behavior? And then what's my plan for where I want to be, you know, in, in five years or in 10 years? Do you want the grass, your yard that you're currently in, to be the best yard you've ever had? Because even, even if you do end up deciding, well, I do want a different job, you can take the yard that you're in and create that wherever you are. That, that is your goal and your plan. So who do you want to be? Where do you want to go? Who are you currently influencing? How can you lead yourself well so you can lead them well? So, I'm going to say a prayer. Worship team's going to come up and we'll sing a song. But, yeah. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that we can come together and, and talk about things that are both spiritual and practical. Because you care about every single aspect of our lives. From the deeply spiritual things to, to our practical everyday life of how do I live better? How can I follow you better? And so, Jesus, over the next few weeks, as we start to, to figure out what it means to lead well, show us where we can be a better follower. Show us the authorities that we're under that we can, that we can be kinder to that we can speak kindly of, that we can work for. Show us, show us that dashboard, our internal dashboard, where we're maybe dinging that conscience and showing us areas of our life that we can work on and things that we can be be more like you so that our heart and our thoughts, feelings, and emotions and our behaviors line up with who you have called us to be as, as followers of Jesus. And finally, God, help us, help us to make a plan. Help us to not stay stuck where we are because you always have, you have more for us. You always have something, you know, just around the river bend, just just more every single time. And show us, show us what you have for us and, and how to get there. Show us the plan. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Yeah, so worship team's coming up. We're going to do one more song, so stand with us, and I'm going to find my way back to the piano.